Well, good morning, church. If you would, please open your Bibles to me, the book of Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, as we finish a series on the mission of our church that we've just been calling BA and Beyond. FBCBA exists to reach BA and Beyond by multiplying disciples to follow Jesus. Now, we do that because biblically we are reminded that Jesus Christ is the best example to follow. So when we come to Matthew chapter 4 this morning, we've got to remind ourselves that it is significant that King Jesus in his first recorded public action in the gospel of Matthew is gathering a team, inspiring people who will commit their life to him by following him. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, describe to us the demands of biblical discipleship and the necessity of disciple-making. Discipleship is the result of followership. That is why generally a disciple is a committed follower of a master. And secularly, the Greeks have had disciples, and the Jews have had disciples, and the Pharisees have had disciples, Moses had disciples, John the Baptist had disciples. But biblically, a disciple is one who trusts in Jesus for eternal life and commits their life to following Him, obeying Him, and abiding in Him. And so the one thing I want you to do before we walk in here and do life is we conclude a series on the biblical mission of our church, that we exist to reach BA and beyond to make disciples, to make disciples, to make disciples that follow Jesus. Following Jesus is not a way of life, but the way of life. Why don't we study in depthly then Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. And your Bible says this. And while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So our king begins his ministry publicly, and he's walking by the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is an oval-bodied shape of water that is 60 miles north of Jerusalem. It is described elsewhere in the Gospels as the Lake of Gennesaret in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, or the Sea of Tiberias in John chapter 21, verse 1, and it was a thriving commercial entity in Palestine. In fact, most historians tell us that right at 240 boats a day were commercially fishing on this lake, on this sea. And so among these boats, throughout these crowds, Jesus will specifically identify four men that will ultimately change the world. The Bible says in verse 18, and he found Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Now Peter and Andrew and subsequently James and John were previously disciples of John the Baptist. They would leave John's ministry to follow Jesus. In fact, it's an amazing account. You can find it twice in John chapter 1, verses 35 and 42, but then also at the end of John 3, where John the Baptist, the most popular preacher of the day, disciples come to them and say, what should we do? For everyone now is following Jesus. And John tells them in John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Following Jesus is not a way of life, but the way of life. It would be these men who were more than likely with Jesus at the miracle of the wedding of Canaan, who would then minister with him throughout Judea in the first year of ministry. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 that they were doing what they were raised to do. They were doing what they've always done. They were casting a net into the sea 
for they were fishermen, the Bible says. Now, there are three primary methods of fishing in the Bible. Now, we know fishing in Oklahoma. How was fishing in, in the Bible? Well, then there were three primary methods. Number one was kind of a hook and line, one that we're familiar with. The second one was a weighted circular casting net that would be cast into shallow water from the shore. It was usually nine feet in diameter, and usually one man would go and throw, and then the other man would go and throw, and they would do this day in and day out. Now, you can imagine throwing this huge circular net from the shore over and over and over again. These disciples weren't weak, impotent men. They were strong men of the land who knew that if you didn't work, you didn't eat. If you didn't eat, you didn't live. These were hardworking, determined men that Christ would choose to ultimately change the world. Now, a third form and method of fishing was a dragnet which would be strung between two boats in deep water, and they would go to and fro in the middle of the night. Now, Peter and Andrew in verse 18, they're using the second method. These men are taking a weighted circular net, nine feet in diameter, and they're fishing. And then Jesus comes to them and says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Church, be encouraged. God is already working where he places you to work. The Lord is already at work. I remember when I was growing up, my, my grandpa, he lived in Tuttle, Oklahoma. And he was a quarter horse trainer. So he had a couple hundred acres there in central Oklahoma. And, you know, it, to him, it was God's country and it was the greatest piece of land the Lord could ever give him. And you want to know why? Because among this acreage was a pond. And so my grandpa would get up early in the morning and he would do his chores and then he'd grab his fishing pole and he'd go fish until he had to go to work. Then he'd come home and he'd do his chores again. And then he'd grab his fishing pole until grandma said, hey, it's time to eat supper or the sun went down. And so, you know, I, I would occasionally go and I would stay with my grandparents throughout the summer and I kind of began to know this pattern. And, and so I got up early one morning and said, hey, grandpa, can I go fishing with you? He said, come on. So we're on our way down, and I said, well, wait a minute. You've got a fishing pole, but I don't have a fishing pole. And so he goes to this tree on his property, and he picks out his pocket knife. And he chops off one of those limbs, and he takes it and shapes it and says, here you go. Now you do. I said, well, wait a minute. This isn't a fishing pole. And so he grabbed his tackle box, and he put some string on it and a hook, and he said, here you go. Now it is. I said, well, this is just a little pole. And he calls me Stump. And he said, stump, even a little pole can catch big fish. Now, ultimately, I've, I've in my latter years kind of grown out of this name, but I even thought, you know, just, you know, maybe when I became older, my grandpa would stop calling me stump. But sure enough, it's just stuck with me my entire life. In fact, even when Brent and I got married, my grandpa would introduce myself, well, you know stump, and here, stump's wife. You know, it's just one of those nicknames that sticks with you. So we're sitting there in this boat. I've got my little pole. He's got this beautiful rod and reel, and he's casting it to and fro in this pond, and nothing. 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 So I, I do what you do. I grab a Dr. Pepper, and I just kind of begin drinking, and I'm just enjoying the day. And I say, I'm not going to catch any fish, Grandpa. i got this little pole. Stump, little pole, catch a big fish. And so we're out there. It had to have been hours, I don't know, 15 minutes. And so we're out there in this boat, and all of a sudden, I get a bite. 
I mean, the, the, the bobber in the water just goes straight down. This little twig is bent to and fro, and all of a sudden, Grandpa, I've got a bite, I've got a bite. And of course, now he gets excited. Pull it in, stump, pull it in. And so I began to reel this fish in, and I catch the largest catfish of my entire life. In fact, it looked a lot like this. <laughs> Probably not that big, church, but, you know, actually, this, this fish does get bigger every time I tell this story. But, but from that, my grandpa, I pull this fish in, and he looks at me and says, Stump, what did I tell you? Even a little pole can catch a big fish. You know, church, I can't help but think that when the Lord calls us to do something big, instead of looking to him by faith, we look at ourselves by sight. Instead of asking the Lord to empower us, we, we look at our own power. Instead of stepping out on faith and truly trusting the Lord and seeing what he can do, we only look to ourselves and ascertain what, well, we know or think we can do. You see, Jesus in his first public ministry is walking by the Sea of Galilee and he sees all of these ships and all of these people and he sees men that were familiar with his ministry, men that already had seen him do amazing things. And he calls to these men who were mere fishermen, the Bible says. Fishermen were not wealthy, they were not educated. In fact, Jesus' disciples had little to no religious training at all. They weren't disciples of rabbis or Pharisees or priests. Instead, these were common men called by an uncommon God. These men were sinful, impatient, sleepy, proud, and cowardly. And yet it would be these men that Jesus would choose and change and transform that would literally make an indelible impression upon the entire world. It is these men that God called because God is already working where he places you to work. God will ask you to do things you can't do. God is not asking for your ability in those things, but your availability. And if there's anything that we can learn from these four men, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, sons of Zebedee, is that if you will commit, and if you will entrust your life to the Lord, He will submit His power to and through you. Following Jesus is not a way of life. It is the way of life. And that is why Christ commands, follow me. Pointedly, come here, follow after me. It signifies an obedient submission, a continuous imitation of Jesus in one's life. In fact, did you realize that 20 separate times in the New Testament, Jesus commands his followers to follow him? Now, historically, this was actually a normal pattern of discipleship. In Israel, a prospective disciple would give all, leave all, and approach a rabbi and request to study with him and grow with their understanding of him. His life was to be their life. In like manner, Jesus demands these men give up everything and follow him. Why? Because your life cannot be managed until it has been mastered, that's why. 
You know you're becoming or following Jesus when you become like Jesus. And following Jesus has no end, just a beginning. And so that is why when we look at these disciples, we're not only to be challenged, but we're to be inspired and encouraged. Lord, if you can use and change these men, God, what can't you do through us? Following Jesus is not a way of life. It is the way of life. I mean, just ask yourself this morning a lot of that truth. Would I follow me? Am I living a life for following? Are people closer to Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, if they were to follow me? If not, let me encourage you with some things. One, be generous in your encouragement to others. Be one who is upward. Be one who elevates. Good job. Great to see you this morning. Hey, you having a good day? Be one that lifts others up. Do so by by listening more and loving most. You know, demographers tell us that the most effective form of evangelism, even during this crazy season of COVID, are you ready for this? Listening. Listening to others in their journey. Listening to others in their highs and their lows. Things that are going well, things that they're struggling with. And then pointing them to the Word of God and thus the Son of God. Loving people most. Reassuring them that There's a God who's not like other gods. He is slow to anger. He is rich in love. He abounds in mercy. So much so that they're new every single morning. Listen more. Love most. Give your time and energy to others. In fact, church, this isn't as hard as you think. In fact, did you realize that if you were just to give one hour a day, one hour a day, five days a week, you would have at the end of a year 260 hours of intentionally following Jesus, being an encourager, listening more, loving most, giving away your time and energy. I think staying humble among others. According to a Harvard Journal Business Review, the most appreciative value of coworkers to their direct report, to their manager, to their CEO, to their leader, is that he is humble. She is humble before them. Place others above yourself as you together follow the Lord. Following Jesus is not a way of life, but the way of life. Jesus says in verse 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Notice Jesus does it. The command is accompanied with a promise. A promise that Jesus will empower and entrain them to do exactly what he has called them to do. 
It is the power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit that will transform these men. And you will become fishers of men. Jesus' activity is now their activity. And all church, be encouraged. Jesus never asked to do something in you that he is not committed to work through you. Remember what he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9? My grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. The moment when you get to the point, Lord, I can't. It is then empowered by a God who can. Following Jesus is not just a way of life then, but the way of life. And notice what these men did. Astonishingly, in verse 20, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. The great philosopher C.S. Lewis said it well when he says, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your work or money. I want you. The abruptness of Jesus' call is outmatched only by the immediacy of these disciples' response. Without hesitation, they left everything and followed him. Why? You want to know why? Because the pattern of your life reveals the reality of your beliefs. These men in following Jesus meant an abandonment of their jobs, of their family, of their friends, of their possessions and comforts. Why in the world would they do this? In fact, if you look at verse 21, the word nets there is actually different contextually than in verse 18, which implies that James and John left a wealthier class, had a greater sacrifice in following the Lord. Why? Because once you really know Jesus, your life will never be the same. It is an acknowledgement on the outside by a fervent belief on the inside that everything I need, Jesus has or will give to me as I follow him. Not just as a way of life. Something we do a couple of days out of the week, a couple of times throughout the month. But no, as the way of life. That every day... That every week, that every month and year as we follow him, until we go or until he comes, we give our lives to him as the way of life. So what does this mean for us? What does this look like for the thousands that gather at First Baptist Church, Broken Arrow? Mission, that's what. We must be about his mission. Not some church down the street. Not some church in some growing metropolis that we know and love. No, Christ's mission through us. Centered upon Jesus. Driven by the scriptures. Focused on what he has called us to do. To reach B.A. and beyond by making disciples and make disciples and make disciples to follow Jesus as the way of life. This is the minimum expectation now for a believer, for a follower, for a member of First Baptist Church of Broken Arrow. So a better question is, is what are characteristics 
throughout the Gospels in the New Testament of individuals who are following Jesus as the way of life. And as we walk out of here and do life, I'm going to give you eight. Just going to skip some rocks across the old discipleship pond here. Eight characteristics of disciples who follow Jesus in the Gospels and the New Testament. These characteristics will be evident in all aspects of ministry moving forward. Everything that we do to fulfill the mission God has called us to do, these aspects, these values are going to be intrinsically in them. Why? Because we desire to follow Jesus not just as a way of life, but as the way of life. So what does that look like in the New Testament? Eight characteristics. Number one, a disciple following Jesus as the way of life believes the gospel. There is a time in their life and consequence all actions that follow that they place their full faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the way of life. God sent his son to live a perfect life, to die a sufficient death as a substitute for our sins. A disciple then is redeemed and restored by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We follow him as the way of life. Consequently, when you believed in Jesus, you are committing to his mission. Remember what Jesus tells the disciples in John chapter 20? As the Father has sent me, so I send you. As a result of our lives being committed to Jesus and following him, his mission is our mission. A disciple believes the gospel in salvation. Secondly, a disciple identifies with the gospel through baptism. Not just a one-time moment in your life but rather a daily affirmation of what you believe on the inside is demonstrated on the outside. Through faith, all believers have been permanently immersed or baptized into Jesus by an instantaneous regeneration of the Holy Spirit. The moment we place our full faith and trust in Jesus, we're a new creation. God gives us a new heart, renews our minds, empowers our life by God himself through the Holy Spirit. Therefore, baptism then is not just a physical demonstration, but a daily transformation of our hearts. We are daily dying to ourselves. We are daily asking the Lord to live and empower us in and through our lives. Your faith is not then a year-to-year, month-to-month, week-to-week, day-to-day faith, but a decision-to-decision faith to trust Jesus Christ as the way of life. And a disciple then identifies with the gospel, not in what we do or should do, but in what God through his son Jesus Christ has already done. Thirdly, that then means that we respond to the gospel. As a result of what God has done, we then in a lifestyle worship him as our savior and Lord. This is so vital because you become what you worship. Worshiping Jesus is the center of God's glory. And that is why we desire to be people of Jesus who is centered and consumed by Jesus. It's our sole desire to be Jesus' people in Jesus' church who loves Jesus' world. Until we go be with Jesus or until he comes back for us, church. The response of the gospel 
that God has provided a way of eternal life through Jesus. That Jesus as King will one day set everything right. The response of that is a lifestyle of worship. Not as a way of life, but the way of life. It is fourthly then displayed by the gospel in a love of others. The greatest measure of God's love for His people was seen by the selfless sacrifice of Jesus Christ, His Son. In like manner, God's people, Jesus' people, we will selflessly love and sacrifice for others. You see, even more so today, some people have to see the love of Jesus before they will ever receive the love of Jesus. And it is our unconditional, never-stopping love of God through us that sets a foundation and the opportunity to share that love with others. I think fifthly then, as a way of life, the way of life, a disciple grows and multiplies the gospel through discipleship. Discipleship is not just about imitation, but daily abiding and obeying the depth and breadth of the Word of God. Those who genuinely love the Word of God have through that love an overflow of love and affection for the God of the Word. So as we come to these scriptures, there will be a desire to learn and to grow, not just to read, but to engage and obey. For there is no such thing as a godly life without godly living. And as we grow in that understanding of the Word of God and the God of the Word, it leads us to obey the Son of God and to share that love with all of those that God places around us. And that is why, sixthly, a disciple is the way of life shares the gospel in the New Testament. There is a pointed emphasis on taking the Word of God to those who need the Son of God over and over and over again. Mission exists because God exists. And we have the privilege of taking the good news of Jesus Christ through the Word of God to those who need the Son of God. And if we're going to do that, church, we're going to need a lot of prayer. That is why throughout the entire New Testament, set by Jesus himself, you have God's people praying over and over and over again. As the way of life, a disciple moves the gospel by prayer. I'm so humbly, humbly standing before you because I believe I have a heritage of prayer. I had parents who believed fervently in the power of prayer. I remember growing up uh, multiple times, you know, different stages of my life, being you know, awakened in the middle of the night with one or both of my parents praying over me. It's actually, as a kid, pretty terrifying. You know, you know, but there's just something so comforting with that. Church, in like manner, we have the privilege of praying and moving forth the gospel. 
praying for each other, praying for our church, praying for our city and our state and our country and its leaders and its future. Knowing that somehow in some mystery of the Lord, there is power when we are on our knees before the Lord. Not just as a way of life, but as the way of life. Finally, in the New Testament, a disciple of Jesus Christ is the way of life, gives all for the gospel. Generosity is the way of life for God's people because God is the ultimate giver. Thus, Christ and His mission must be the ultimate treasure of our lives. We are to build His kingdom, not our own. In a willingness to follow Jesus, a willingness to share the gospel, to give our lives away by making disciples and make disciples and make disciples, to follow Jesus, not just as a way of life, but the way of life, is the best proof of whether or not we believe in the Lordship and the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. As we walk out of here and do life, and fulfill the biblical mission that God has given us to reach BA and beyond by multiplying disciples to follow Jesus. May we do so as believers, not just as a way of life, but the way of life. Until Christ comes, or do we be with Him? May we multiply disciples to follow Jesus as not a way of life, the way of life for now and forevermore. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Our Father, we come to you, Lord, this morning in spirit and in truth. Father, overwhelmed with the privilege of being ambassadors, witnesses, disciples of Jesus Christ. Father, as good news people, in a world that so needs good news. Father, may you strengthen and empower, inspire and encourage. Lord, empower us to be everything that you called us to be. God, you have the ability to give life and life abundantly. Father, may you empower that abundant life in and through us as followers of Christ. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, perhaps you're here this morning and you desire eternal life. You desire a new start and thus a new heart. You desire to live a life that matters. Can I encourage you to heed these words of Jesus 2,000 years ago that are still just as relevant today Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Allow him, as Lord of your life, to lead and to guide, to encourage and inspire and equip you to be everything that God has destined you to be. And if you're here this morning and you desire an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Going your own way, being your own king, that's going to end. It's going to end with you. 
But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That if you will surrender your life by faith to Jesus Christ, then His life becomes your life. His love becomes your love. His power through the Holy Spirit can be your power. If you're here this morning and you desire to give your life completely to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, would you just raise your hand right now, straight up? I've had 19 people do this in the last six weeks here. Just raise your hand right now. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to give my life completely to Jesus Christ. Just raise your hand right now. If you're watching online, if you would right now, just type Jesus in the comment section. Grab out your phone. Text Jesus to 45776. We have team members available right now to describe to you what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. Anybody else? Praise God. Praise God for one. Anybody else? Father, we love you, and God, we thank you, Lord, for today, and God, the chance to be your people. Father, as we leave out of here, Lord, let's be committed like never before to follow you as, Father, not a way of life, but the way of life. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, Father, for your power through the Holy Spirit that indwells us and empowers us. God, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ who saves us, to be, Lord, who you called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.